Tony, welcome back. We have made a bit of a milestone. We're up to podcast 30, but I wanted to quickly touch on, you're looking very golden brown from your little European getaway. How are you today? Um, I'm a bit tired this morning. A bit tired, <laughs> so straight off the plane? I, well, got in midnight last night, so I had a meeting at 10am this morning. I got in about 10 to 10. <laughs> so it was, uh, yeah, I have to admit, um, even had to go and have um, an exercise ECG my heart this afternoon and, and on that treadmill and I was thinking god 10, 10 kilometers walking around Europe every day for 14 days it's, uh, I was exhausted yes yeah, <laughs> so. well you've actually done all right even in the past year you're looking trimmer yeah I, I've uh, come back at the same weight and three percent less body fat so I was, you know I, I just don't have five hours a day to walk around Melbourne no, that's all yeah. so, so. we'll have to figure something there but yeah but the golden brown is only the face so I'm not going to take my shirt exactly <laughs> 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 you weren't you weren't walking around in little speedos? No, 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 no. I had my speedos on once for a big open water swim in Bigur in Spain, but that aside, um, I, I was I kept my top on. That's the European way, isn't it? The speedos and a bit of olive oil just rubbed in? Yeah, it's um, I'm a little bit white. Uh, they, they've had a good year. They've had a good European summer in the Spanish uh, olive complexion. I'm not. No, so. So, look, uh, it's actually an interesting topic today. Um, this is We come across one of our dear friends, Kyle. Kyle, uh, yeah. It was actually on his face. Facebook page, but it's a great statement. Australia's rich, dumb, and getting dumber. Mm. So was, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people who read that and took offence. But uh, the article, you could call the heading clickbait, but I think the article was actually quite relevant and quite accurate. Yeah. So what we're going to do is uh, we're not obviously just going to talk about this article, mm. um, but we're going to talk about sort of some points it makes in that article and the way that we agree with it. Um, so obviously we'll, we'll think about... Our heading ways. might be a bit different. Yeah, <laughs> so, but, so. Um, you know, how we have our investment philosophy and the reasons why we have our investment philosophy, but we want to dive into that. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, where would you like me to start? Well, I think you can fire it away. Um, actually, let's start with let's start with our investment philosophy. Um, yeah. And then we'll sort of pick up from the article from there. Okay, so our investment philosophy, we have, certainly have an international bias. When we're talking equities, yeah. uh, let's, let's talk about equities. So our equities components does certainly have an international bias. And unlike probably the vast majority of firms in Australia who have an Australian bias, or actually anywhere you go, you know, you've been in Spain and speak to Spanish financial planners and they have a, you know, a Spanish bias. We have one. We actually do hold nearly about 0.6% of our portfolios in one Spanish stock, Telefonica. Uh, uh, But besides that, we have no Spanish stock. But if you speak to Spanish uh, financial advisors, about 70% Spanish stocks. So same in the UK, obviously in the US, uh, very hometown bias. Whereas we don't. We don't have a hometown bias. I think our high growth portfolio has maybe about 13% exposure to Australian equities at the moment. So our bias is on an international scale, but it's not that we don't like Australia. We're just looking at the markets in general and where we can get the majority of growth. And you just can't get that growth in Australia. And we've been proven right you know, if, if you have a look, you know, I've done analysis back to 1998 for 10 years, so 1998, 2008, and 2018. And that, and that, I suppose, is in some ways what the article touches on in respect to dumb getting dumber but rich. Yeah, well, it talks about, I guess, the complexity of our economic environment within Australia, and, and we're going 
we're going down um, in the world rankings pretty quickly. We are, but at the same time, we have very high levels of income and we have a very strong economy. And we do have, you know, a lot of wealth in this country, but a lot of wealth has been made off the back of passive investment in property yep. um, and off the back of the mining boom. So yeah, your you have... Yeah, your your ore, your coals, yeah. Well, Australia probably has the highest wage levels anywhere in the world uh, for unskilled workers. Um, and then even for skilled workers, if you consider what a paramedic uh, gets paid or what a builder or a plumber gets paid in Australia versus, say, the US, it's vast um, discrepancy between both. So, But the unskilled worker in Australia uh, can be paid very well, especially in the mining industry. So there is, there is a lot of opportunity. And through that, though, is with high wages comes high prices for everything you know you we had a stopover in Doha uh, on the way in Qatar on the on the way over and on the way back and my god what an expensive country but it's also the wealthiest country in the world I I got stung with the bill going through this airport I made the dumb decision I actually stopped with Doha with um, Bertie and John and and my partner Jess but I got stung with the bill I think we grabbed three gin and tonics and I walked away later spending about 90 Australian dollars yeah exactly (laughs) was was a terrible round on my yeah don't don't bother having high tea at Harrods in Doha airport you'll be stung for 90 dollars for a finger sandwich and a cup of tea so yeah it is very expensive I I hear your pain Jamie (laughs) (laughs) so I I guess the article touches on innovation um, in Australia and how we I guess lack innovation yeah, I think when you consider, if, if I'm just going to purely look at the Australian share market versus global as yep. an example, and when you consider that um, in regards to the Australian market, the top 10 stocks in Australia between 1998, 2008 and 2018 virtually haven't changed. Um, with the exception of probably CSL, uh, there's been no you know, in, huge innovation in respect to Australian uh, stock market or growth. And even if you consider prior to the 2008 GFC, global financial crisis that hit, the Australian ASX 200 has only just now, 11 years later, got back to its high of what it was in 2008. So when you consider that, okay, there are companies that are, have a high valuation, BHP is, well, actually BHP is a bad example, but CBA is valued higher today than what it was in 2008, um, etc. But you have a look at that and there is no innovation. So when you have a look on the global scale, you go back to 1998, in the S&P 500, there's something like 200 companies now in the S&P 500 that weren't in existence in 1998. So it wasn't even a case of too small to be in the S&P 500. They actually just didn't exist. Um, and if you consider since 1994 was the real, or well, when the, the internet World Wide Web came out and where companies have made fortunes on the back of the internet, not on the back of technology, because uh, if you think on the back of technology, you go back 50 years prior to that with IBM, as an example, and prior to the internet, even Microsoft uh, was a huge uh, innovation in technology. So when you actually have a look at that, you know, these, these companies that weren't even in existence, you know, in, even in 2008, uh, Amazon was the 85th largest company in the US. It's, you know, now on any given day, the largest company in the world. 
uh, on any given day valued anywhere between eight. It depends on Donald Trump's tweets, but anywhere between <laughs> eight hundred billion and a trillion dollars. You know, it's it's extraordinary, and that was based on e-commerce on the internet. Yeah. Started off as we all know, selling books on the internet, and there's no borders as a result anymore. There's no you know all these other large bookstores are no longer in existence because you now I read an article today. If you have 10.7 million customers, the great thing about the internet is you have 10.7 million different stores because you go onto Amazon and you buy a book and it tells you it's here's other books that other people have bought who have bought this book that you might be interested in. It's, it's for you. The yeah. algorithms have it for you. It's not going into borders and saying, wow, today I want to buy a book on triathlons. Go to the sporting section. Go to here. Go to here. It's... So it's, it's the convenience factor as well. Yeah, so didn't, didn't Turnbull say we're going to be the innovation nation? Uh, Malcolm did. <laughs> uh, so it's... Um, I just wanted to get you on record going against them. Oh, uh, <laughs> no. I, I, it's, I'm joking. Um, I'm joking. <laughs> I was not never the greatest fan of Malcolm. <laughs> so it's, uh, I, I thought he had a lot of great qualities, but I was never the greatest fan of him as a politician. <laughs> the, uh, he, was, he was a damn good merchant banker, though. <laughs> so it's, um, but in saying that, the, um, we are, we're going to become the innovation nation, but this is where I think that the heading of the article is, is incorrect. It says dumb, you know, getting dumber, etc. And I don't think that's the case. I think I think Australians' uh, school system has a lot to be questioned. You can't just keep throwing money at something, and and you know it's there's there's no there's no real qualities that are built. If you have a look at uh, the US, a lot of it is going down the engineering route. Uh, so they're losing humanities, as an example, um, history, geography, communication skills, but going down the engineering route because they're the people who don't work in engineering to go into mining. They work in engineering to go into IT. Yeah. Um, and if you consider the new economies, the most recent one being uh, information technology, if you consider those, um, we have some very bright and some very talented individuals. And the moment somebody works out that they are bright and talented, they're no longer here. We've had some clients in that similar situation. We have. I mean, and the classic would be, for example, when uh, Holden and Ford decided they're closing down their Australian branches. Uh, both Apple and Google came out here and recruited 60 uh, engineers, automotive engineers, to go and work in Apple and uh, Google in the US because they're regarded as some of the best in the world and going over there. So when, when you consider Apple and Google going and recruiting 60 car engineers, you think that, and we know because we had a couple of clients in that situation, we know they all had to sign, you know, non-disclosure and they couldn't, couldn't tell anyone what they were doing. It's fair to say that if you're recruiting 60 car engineers, they're doing something in the automotive industry, aren't yeah. they? So when you, when you look at that, um, our brightest and our best get sent offshore. The moment you become, there's 220,000 Australians working and living in the US at the moment. So we're not talking backpackers going around Europe working in bars for three pound an hour and accommodation in London. We're talking about people go to the US, pack up the whole family and go. And when that occurs, they're going there for a reason and that's usually a career advancement. So whereas going and leaving to move on the other side of the world once upon a time was an adventure, it's now done for economic reasons. And... 
when you consider those going to the US and even those you know who, who aren't that young who are packing up the family and going to the US, they're going there for economic reasons. Yeah. Um, and the reason being is our best gets snapped up. And it happened a long time ago, you know, where my mum came from in Ireland. Uh, so if you were university educated in Ireland, there was no employment and the wages were woeful. Um, the employment, unemployment was like 20%. So they packed up and left, and all the brightest and the best went to the UK to work and went off to the US, because there's a lot of Irish in the US as well, so you had family, you could go over there. So whereas if you consider back in 1998, when we were going through mining booms and things like that, the people who have gone well in technology, um, you know, even even my brother-in-law, you know, the chief technology officer globally now doing adverts for IBM, you know, looking at these adverts of him on... Um, on LinkedIn, they're, they're fantastic. And but if you have a look at that, he came over here. He worked at IBM here. He was, you know, regarded as the best. And they took him from Australia and the whole family and moved him to the US uh, to advance his career. And he went there for a promotion. So, yeah. and and that and that's that's the classic of when you look at it. If you're good, you now get snapped up and moved overseas. So it's not going on a one-year backpacking holiday. You're going overseas for you know a career advancement. Yeah. So so when we're looking at our portfolios, I guess we we've touched on it in a lot of our podcasts, but it's something our clients like to hear, and we want to keep talking about it. But that's why we don't have the bias to Australia. Um, Correct. That's why we don't have an overexposure there. Yeah. Um, especially compared to a lot of um, not industry where or industry funds, um, they're mandated to have so much within Correct. the Australian Australian economy. Absolutely. So they they are there, and as you, as you said, they're actually, and you correctly said, they're mandated to, and you know, with the lack of transparency, that doesn't help. I'm trying to understand what they do own and where it is spread, but they do have, you know, a very large Australian bias, um, and you know, that's fine. It's you know, each to their own. But our clients want a the best a, a total return, with uh, an emphasis on growth and safety. Yeah. And you you can't if you're receiving very little growth in Australia or Australia's an overvalued market, you can't just invest in it because you know CBA or because you know BHP or because you know Telstra. And this is one of the I suppose one of the things that have always horrified me regarding self managed super funds where people don't seek advice and actually invest themselves and their largest holdings are cash and Australian shares. And when Well their only their only holdings are normally cash and Australian shares correct. Or, or property. Correct. So and when you had um, you know, Bill Shorten come out and Chris Bowen come out and say, We're gonna scrap, you know, refund of imputation credits, franking credits, the only people who were against that was people who didn't understand how the system worked. Uh, but the the basis of it, the you know, you had these self-funded retirees, who at the moment, if you consider with the latest interest rate cut when I was overseas, they're getting maybe one and a half percent on their term deposits. They could have a million dollars in a self-managed super fund. They have that in a term deposit. That's fifteen thousand dollars a year. That's twenty thousand less than what they'd get in the age pension, the full age pension. They can't qualify for the age pension because they've got a million dollars in assets. And get, so they have no choice but to take risks. So what do they do? They go and buy some shares in the banks and, you know, and in Telstra and in BHP, etc., because they know those companies. And then there was this huge amount of fear that went through everyone, rightfully so, when, you know, franking credits were going to be taken off because that could be an extra $15,000 worth of income taken off them. 
So once again, that hometown bias uh, doesn't always work. And if the market comes down, as we've seen since you know 2008, the Australian market has taken 10 years just to get back to where it was prior to the crash. And that's... That's, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's been some good growth in companies yeah, during that period. There's opportunities. Oh, absolutely, absolutely there is. And we still do have some uh, index exposure, obviously. But, yeah, we, we're looking on a global scale. Uh, and that's where I think the article is correct. I wouldn't call us dumb and dumber. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not going to go and stick my tongue against a frozen uh, ski pole. <laughs> like the movie. Do you remember that movie? Oh, it's one of my favourite movies, <laughs> It's a great actually. movie. So, yeah. But it was... Um, but... I just think that when our brightest go and move offshore, actually a, a, a good friend of mine, um, uh, Darren, he's got um, you know three three young children. One of them will be an exceptional golfer. She will definitely be pro, and she will be on the global scale. Uh, she's not going to be making money here in Australia, or she might get a pair of free golf shoes, you know, in Australia. But she'll she'll definitely be on the global scale and. And to get to the success that she deserves, to even just to be able to get the sponsorship uh, that she will eventually be able to get, she needs to be based in the US. She can't be based here and expect to get that sponsorship money. Um, and one of his, his middle son, um, he, you know, he, he's, his goal in life is to be a hedge fund manager in the US. So he's just finishing year twelve now. So, so he's already got you know the expectations of. Maybe over there. So later, mum and dad, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm off to be Bobby Axelrod at Axe Capital. <laughs> so it's uh, and work in the hedge fund industry in the US. So, and that's an that's an example where kids nowadays are growing up, not with the expectation of I'm going to go and travel for a year around Europe in my backpack. I'm going to pack up and go and live overseas for my career. Yeah. And that's that's where we say that, you know, the best and the brightest uh, do get snapped up and brought overseas nowadays. Tony, thank you very and much. By the way, Jamie, that's yeah. not saying that Maybe. you are not bright. <laughs> uh, so uh, I know doing a trip to the US with you, they all loved you, and, I, and, I'm, sure, and I'm sure they would all take you. Uh, but thankfully, you decided to stay with us, so I appreciate that, because yeah, I know how intelligent you are as a young man. Thanks, mate. I appreciate that. But thank you for your time today, and uh, the coffee got you through, which is fantastic. Yeah, um, I think I might go to bed now. Yeah, try, try <laughs> stay up as long as you can and, and get a good night's sleep. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you.